Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC825. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I'm just hoping to keep quiet for the next hour to do this show with you. <laughs> I miss being in studio because it's fun to hang out with you, but it's also very can, challenging. Can I, can, I re, can I relay to, to the audience exactly what's been going on for the last 10 minutes or so? Go for it. All right. So, so as we all know, on this father's uh, soon-to-be Father's Day weekend, um, while I have a son that is has finished his childhood journey and is about to leave for college. You are only starting your journey with a with a, a newborn and a three-year-old. And the three-year-old, uh, w- since we're not doing this show in the studio yet, which this is just another reason that we have to get back to the studio. I'm with uh, you. Is, is, is that we have been sitting there watching the door secretly <laughs> open behind you like a horror movie as, as we sit there and go, no, 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 as if you're going to get killed. <laughs> And then, then all of a sudden, you hear the screeching of, of a three-year-old boy. And and what I want to gift to you, and we do live in the same town, so I may drive over to you and socially distance on your on your front porch, is that I decided to to uh, pull out a battle of Jack Daniels, which I have here. Uh, um, I'm going to need to start drinking, and, man. And, this and, is, uh... and if you disappear during a break, so that's the other thing people should know, is that all of a sudden I left for a second right before the show, and I came back and Jason was gone again. <laughs> at, which, at which point me and Mike were sitting here laughing about whether or not there was going to be a show because you kept disappearing. So I plan I plan to participate in the show. Uh, we are going to do a bunch about Father's Day, and this is going to be a lesson in fatherhood. Yeah, so, so, so there there is a likelihood that while it's, it's Jeff and Jason starting the show is normal, it could be that. Jeff and, and, and Mike are going to be doing the show at the end of the show. And who knows, since we're going to have Lisa Salters on from ESPN, we're, we may finish the show with Lisa and Jeff, for all we know. Uh, Lisa may end up doing the show all by herself at the you, end. You know what's bad? We try to be professional about this and like do a good show. And like you can plan for everything. You can work on your technology. If you're doing video, you can get the lighting. You can't plan for a three-year-old's meltdown. It just is not possible my friend if you have not learned it yet you cannot plan anything for fatherhood no not at all while i wish you a happy father's day i wish you in about 15 to 17 years an even happier father's day you know the funny thing is i was going to come on talking about it father's day weekend and i'm standing (laughs) in the backyard last night throwing the wiffle ball as he's taking swings with the bat going you know this is what it's about this and now i got temper tantrum going on so i guess that's really right now you do not want to hand your kid a bat (laughs) no not at all there should be no objects in his hand that could cause any damage to you you know who else doesn't want a bat right now well people want bats but they can't agree on whether they're going to pick up a bat baseball hashtag when and where didn't work uh, no, hashtag when and where seems to not have worked. It seems like Rob Manford thought he had a deal with Tony Clark, but Tony Clark did not think he had a deal with Rob Manford. Uh, Major League Baseball proposed 60 games. Major League Baseball Players Association came back with 70 games. Uh, the Major League Baseball will turn down and reject that proposal for 70 games. Well, Jeff, no, no, that's not true. No? Rob Manford said... He doesn't know yet because he still needs to speak with the owners before he rejects it. So I'm not sure exactly. 
you know, they got together, which is something that I've been screaming about on air for, for weeks now that this is nonsense that they've been doing. This <laughs> and day. when you're not on air, you've been screaming about it on text message, too. <laughs> right. So, so they finally do the mature thing that they should have done three months ago. And it looks like they have a deal. And now we're fighting over 10 games. And while the 10 games seems trivial to all of us. The only problem with this is, is that the owners, at least what they are saying outwardly, and I'm choosing to believe them on this point is, is that they are concerned about this going into a certain time of the fall when the second wave of the virus could hit. And they Do you believe that? Deal with it. Well, guess what? Considering what we know about the Phillies today, I guess that is a valid concern because even in the summer, in the heat of Florida, there are a bunch of people that apparently have tested positive, including a half a dozen Phillies who have been tested. The Phillies are closing their spring training facility after five players and three staff tested positive. The Blue Jays are also shutting down their facility after a player exhibiting symptoms after being near a Phillies player. Oh, uh, by, the, first, by the way, the, the people that have tested positive do not include from what we've fa- family, family and children so, who so have more. Well, who have apparently some of them are awaiting test results. Some have tested positive already, according to the Inquirer. Apparently, there are the first confirmed case was Tuesday. And you've got 12 staff members and 20 players still in the process of being tested and awaiting those results. So this is a problem. Now, I asked you before the show not to get your answer, but just to give you a heads up that I wanted to ask, because I don't have the answer when it talks about assuming risk for this. Obviously, everybody is signing a waiver. Well, no. What's the threshold for how many people? We know that people are going to get sick. It is an unfortunate reality of what is going on. Right are you now. talking? Are you talking cosmically, like the world? Or are you talking about in, in the this sport in the bubble? In these sports, how many people are too many for these leagues to say we can't do this? I don't think that baseball thought that they would be concerned about this here's, outbreak. Here, now, here's what I think: it's not going to. Unfortunately, it is not going to be a situation where it's how many people test positive unless it's a majority of the team that they can't play. Um, Cause I don't know what they're instituting is the quarantine now. So five players have tested positive over this short period of time. Are they out 14 days or are they out longer or are they out shorter? So I don't know exactly what the period is, but my fear is the only thing that's going to stop this train from leaving the station is going to be a serious illness when we see the visual of an athlete or an athlete's family member on a ventilator. That's when you think that's, that people will take it for real. Yes. I mean, I mean than- look how quickly. So we now have a better idea about the virus. We know more. It's not like we're able to uh, cure it, but we know at least know more about its transmission. So now what do you do? And we know that when, the NBA, one player tested positive, and that was it, right? That was that the whole league shut down, and essentially all the sports shut down. That's how quick it was. So now is the question. Now that we know that, and now that there is this this anxiousness of people not just being sick and tired of being quarantined, 
what is it going to take to stop it? And I, I fear that the only thing that's going to stop it now is unless a series. The players, unless the Players Association steps in and just says, okay, you know what? We've now seen that there's no way to contain this uh, in a large setting like this, where they're all working out. I mean, remember, breathing heavy, this is not me, Jeff, the scientist, this is what I've heard from Dr. Fauci and the crew, is that if you're breathing heavy, your your particles go farther. If you're playing sports, you're breathing heavy all the time, if you're doing it right. So... <laughs> then you have a greater risk of transmission, right? Am I, I think I got that right. So Look, I, I moved out of the engineering school because I couldn't do the bio and the chem classes, so you're asking the wrong person, man. All right, so, I, we're not, I, so can we get a Rutgers scientist on here? <laughs> I'll work on that. I, I, I will see what I can do there. Uh, it, your thoughts on this latest... Is baseball any closer to anything? When we did our midweek OTA, they hadn't exchanged proposals and they yes hadn't and no. talked. Yeah, where are we now? Well, it, well, apparently, at least from if you take the two sides' statements and, and you have to like superimpose them over each other, what we got was supposedly 60 games, fully prorated, and then the... Um, that they wouldn't sue each other or bring grievances against. Yeah, them. they agreed right. to the waiver. I don't. I I haven't heard anything about what the playoffs were, and I heard and I heard that the players wanted full DH, but I haven't heard anything about whether the owners were okay with that. I think both proposals had full DH actually. Okay. I, so, I think we're so moving now. It's full a question, DH. at least from what it sounds like, it's a difference between sixty and seventy games. But what we don't know is where are these games going to take place? Like, okay, so now we've gotten these little details. But these are minor details. We still don't know when they're supposed to go to camp. Yes, players are there already, unfortunately, because now they're sick. But where's it going to happen? Are we going to be seeing games in Citizens Bank Park with no fans? Is I mean, is that the plan? Or are we going to uh, a small number of locations? Well, there's there's definitely not going to be fans. At right. least but, not but where, in... But where is it? That where are the games being played? Are they being and, and and by the way, if they're going to be played in the in the 30 different stadiums or so, how are they getting to them? That's I don't I don't understand how you do all the different stadiums with air travel and everything. I well, mean, you have I to know, bring Look, for us it's easy. So if you, if you mod yeah, I turn on my TV like, and watch it. No, no, no. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about us. I'm talking about for like the Phillies. So what you could do for one year, and the, again, these are details that somebody needs to work out before they put together a schedule, is that at least on in the Northeast, we have enough teams here that we could, you could do it by region for us. So we could play the Nationals and the Mets and the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the, the Orioles and a bunch of teams that are on the East Coast that you can just get on a bus. So you can limit the exposure. They're not getting on planes or things like that. But what do you do if you're a Seattle or, or a Colorado? I mean, there's no, there's no place around the corner for them to go. They can't do bus rides to a bunch of different places. So we're, what do you we're do? Talking, we're talking baseball right now, and we're going to talk Father's Day. What's the sport that you most associate with your, your son? Like, for my parents— some of my biggest memories are actually baseball and basketball. Not even though I'm a huge football fan, like going to games and doing things. 
Yeah, I assume for you, knowing you, is is it baseball with all the minor league stuff you've done with Alex? Or well, no, it's not just the minor league stuff. I mean, look, then I could associate it with you because I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, but you don't feel you, for the last you don't month. love you don't love me like you do your son. Yeah. I know we're friends and we're fans yeah. and everything, uh, but um, but be- if you're t- asking me as far as Father's Day and association, it has to be baseball. There really was no other sport other than golf. I mean, I I do have. Uh, one of my fondest memories with with my father was when he was sick. That was us sitting and watching Tiger Woods' record performance, uh, and so golf was something I associated with. Even though I didn't play it with my dad, it was something I watched with him. Baseball is something that that I kind of watched. I guess there's some NBA Finals in June, but for the most part, sports is over except baseball. This is the beginning of that that dead period of other sports. Except now we have MLS. But you're right. Yeah. Baseball is a sport I associated with um, just because of the sights and sounds and being there and the accessibility of it. And because baseball, baseball brought my dads together when when my parents had split up, my my mom had gotten remarried. And the first time we all went together, my both of my dads and my brothers was mm-hmm. the 93 National League Division Series against the Braves at the Vet. And we sat up in the 700 level in game one when the Phillies won an extra innings. And that memory is just etched in my brain of of that experience with with both of my dads. Right. You know, there's there's other things that I did individually. I told you I was at that game with the Sixers with my dad, Murray, sitting behind the basket when Barkley and Jordan went off on each other when the Bulls played the Sixers, I think, in 90. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of my best sports memories as a son with my my parents around basketball and baseball, I'm curious to see what they end up being with my kids as as we start this journey together. Well, look, you're 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 you know, some of your first memories are when you're three, four years old. It won't be this. It won't be baseball with your son this year. There's no, no. Question it, and it's not the same watching it on TV. One of the great things about baseball is is the sights, the sounds, the smells. I mean, when you go to a baseball stadium, you can walk down. Like, I've been in Manhattan. You walk down the street. You pass a Sabret cart. You smell a hot dog or you roast. You hear you smell roasted peanuts. I don't know about you. I think of baseball. Takes you back. Think, yeah. It takes so, you to that moment. You hear a song that's played, you know, that was the walk-up music of a player. It takes mm-hmm. you there. It's It's funny, those little things that you hear that take you to a moment that you lived, that you experienced, and that's kind of around sports. That's a, that's a fun part. Like uh, That's why for us doing this show, yeah, we, we get to do it, but we're, we're fans too, and our life experiences have been shaped with the people we love the most by the sporting events we've watched or been to or, or participated in. By the, by the way, so you, you were talking about walk-up music. I saw a poll this week, and they were asking about the 2008 Phillies and and certain Phillies and what their walk-up music and and I was like I cannot believe any yeah. Phillies fan doesn't know that Cashmere, Cashmere. Is Ch- yeah. Chase Utley's walk-up you were, music. You were horrified by that. So you're I, a music I, guy. I'm not a music guy, and even I know that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, like, come you on, everybody knew. Just, just like I mean, Chooch had a couple, but everybody knows that one of them was the Phil Collins song. I mean, there there are just certain songs that are, were associated with certain players. Shane Victorino. Come on. No, I mean, I mean, he, he there there were just certain guys that you just knew their walk up music. And had yeah, you, you took like years. You took like personal offense to somebody not knowing that on Facebook. Well, some, well no, <laughs> somebody somebody who claimed to be a Phillies fan not knowing. 
how dare they claim to be a Philly fan and not know a walk-up music. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk 30 for 30 Maguire, so, so we did that the other day. You don't want um, to talk about it? Why? Why have, have they released more footage? No, it just I was hoping for, for more of the story as opposed to just the home run chase. But I did want to go, um, I wanted to give you the floor to let you talk about your favorite Ohio, the Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. Yes, even I had to get the even, D even there. Though, for even you. though they couldn't, they couldn't, um, they couldn't register the. Um, Ohio. What do, to, what do you want me to talk about Ohio State for? Ohio, Ohio State Ohio. is making their players sign a waiver, and yeah. you were not a fan of said waiver, though. I kind of agree with you that I think the waiver may become standard as we see this for people. People coming back. You can't do this for just players, for just athletes. Explain to our listeners, explain to our listeners what's going on. And as a lawyer and as a sports guy and as a you know fan, all the different angles of this. Ohio State now wants or had supposedly all of its football players sign a waiver that if anything happens and they get sick, that this that the university is not responsible. I haven't seen the contents of the waiver. But if it's as all-inclusive as they say it is, there's no way this is going to hold up. If they irresponsibly do something, if they're, if they're beyond negligent in the way that they handle this, I'm pretty sure that they are not going to be able to hold up this piece of paper and say, well, you know what? They signed this piece of paper. These are, these are, these are yes, they're, they're young adults. Okay, They're all 18, so they're adults. But these are young men. And there are people on the staff. So Let, let's be honest. If they do this just for football, they're going to yeah. have to do this for all their other sports. So it's going to be young men and women at all sports. You yeah, can't but, just do well, there's this also there's also football. people on the football. There are women on the football staff. So yeah. so um, I don't know about at Ohio State, but at a lot of schools. So you're asking these people not only to play football to save your athletic program, you're asking them to play this where they're not getting paid. They're not employees. They're students. And, and there's a responsibility on universities, and I, I believe this strongly, as I'm about to send my child for the first time to a university, that you have a, you have a responsibility to these students, a heightened responsibility, probably more than employers do. And so if you're going to do this for athletes, I think you're going to have to do this for all students. And I don't know how you're going to be able to get all students to sign this. You're going to have to do something. I just don't believe that they're going to be able to limit it to the athletes, but I think uh, it's ridiculous to ask them to sign this. What, you'll what see the same thing when no. you'll see the same thing when they open stadiums. People who are going in, I mean, NASCAR is doing well. That. They, they want to have their we'll, all-star we'll be race there all day. If we're all going to have to read and sign waivers, look, NASCAR wants to have their all-star back. race in July and have like thirty percent of fans, and they want them to sign a waiver that they'll hold harmless. For what's going on is, is this tenable for what these leagues are trying to do to prevent them from having the liability of coming back to entertain us? It, it depends on what they do. So th- th- if they think that this is going to hold up no matter what they do or how irresponsibly they act, that's not going to happen. If they handle things responsible and somebody walks in and a fan walks into the stadium but doesn't have is asymptomatic and then walks in and infects a bunch of people that he's sitting near 
then I don't know how you're going to be able to hold them liable. I, I also know, don't, unless everybody's going to agree as they walk into the stadium, that they have to give up their their phone information and they have to agree to contact tracing. How you're going to be able to figure out where you got it and when? It's very complicated, uh, without a doubt. It is it is very complicated for these leads to figure out something else that is very well, complicated. Hold on. There, there's something there's something interesting. So so while we're still battling with this, I don't know if you saw, but in New Zealand, they had a rugby match, professional rugby match, and rugby there is like a major sport. They had 15,000 plus people in the stands without any protections. And that's because they haven't had a single case in the country We're in the last there. three weeks. Right. We're not so, there. But it, like, I can't. I actually have a concern Can you? that, no, I have a concern that these leagues have picked Arizona and Florida as their places to restart. And you're seeing an increase in cases in those areas right now. That is not the trend that you, and Texas, that's not the trend that you want to see where you're bringing all your players into a mass area. I mean, just think about it. You're going to have the MLS, you're going to have, I think the women's soccer league or the WNBA is there. Uh, You have the NBA there. You'll have baseball teams in Florida. A lot of people in Florida. I just, if, if I'm these sports, I'm still very concerned. Baseball's still too busy arguing about the dollars and cents to get to that point. Jason, um, Jeff, do you guys mind if I jump in with you for a second right here real quick? Just too on late. The, on the level of the college. You might as well because any minute now, Jason's going to have to leave. So, hey, hey. Well, I just wanted to kind of throw this out there, especially you guys were just touching on the college football with the waiver and whatnot. Um, this is kind of an interesting headline coming from Bleacher Report saying that the UCLA, there's apparently 30 players that don't trust Chip Kelly to follow COVID-19 protocol. And they want an outside. They want an outside. I think it's hilarious. It's just because it's involving Chip Kelly as well. But they want some an outside uh, independent to be involved with how they're going to handle their coming back and protocols to handle COVID. Well, let me ask you, there there are certain coaches that, that I think I would trust, but I don't know if I trust all of them. But obviously, there's 100 parents, sets of parents that trust uh, each coach at each major university that has a football program. Would you trust Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State coach? No. Okay. I, 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 there's yeah. a lot. It's not just Mike Gundy. I mean, he's has his own issues. This yeah. week. There's a lot <laughs> of got, coaches. He's, he's got. Do you think he he's, survives? I don't know. Um, he's got, not only does he have, you know, the situation with his players right now kind of calling him out and, and, you know, people can talk about the merits of should the coach be able to wear what he wants. He's he's got an issue that he's got, he's now being accused of, of, yeah, from by a player who wants an apology, right? Who says that he said racist language to him. I have been amazed that Mike Gundy has lasted as long as he has with all the stuff that he's done in Oklahoma state. So I don't know what the threshold is there, but clearly they're willing to keep him for a little longer. On the Chip Kelly point, though, I don't know, Mike, do you trust Chip Kelly to follow those protocols, knowing what you do about him? Honestly, I don't. And reading a quote here, how they said that he perpetually failed us and neglected and mismanaged injury cases. So, no, I I have zero trust in Chip Kelly. I mean, if you remember the players with the Eagles and the Niners, they certainly were not fans of what went on under Chip Kelly. And, you know, this is a problem for some of these colleges right now as they come back is the coaches really have to assume an extra layer of responsibility here. But 
it's just a question of where do you draw the line for the culpability of the coaches? Jeff, is do you think Gundy survives? I don't know. I mean, he, look, he said a lot of dumb things. Well, we've past. both been profound and, on Gundy. Do you think no, he uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, if if I if I were a parent, I would not want Mike Gundy. But I didn't. I have to admit, I was not impressed by Mike Gundy in the past on, on the way that he behaved himself. Uh, I just think that his, the fact that he's had to apologize three times in order to get this right uh, or get it closer to right leads me to believe that his judgment is questionable. And and I did not get I can't get inside someone's head, but I did not get the impression that. How do you pronounce it? Is it Chuba Hubbard or Chuba? Uh, Hubbard? Yeah, um, either. I I'm gonna get go the impression said. that he was too impressed with his with what he said either. It, it was an it was an awkward. Video. It was yeah. <laughs> it's it very uncomfortable to watch, and and I think that that the player has handled it so much better than than the older, supposedly wiser person. Because don't of, we of, don't we see that often? Though? Don't we see that often where the the player is a little bit more mature in their handling of of some of these things. I'm not saying it's a regular, yeah. but with some of these I mean, programs, I, I have I've been in, incredibly impressed at, at the way that that the vast, vast number of people that have spoken about the very important issues we're dealing with have handled this, uh, and how they've been able to educate people in a way uh, that is is just productive and yeah. is not divisive. And, and I, I'm. These these guys that and these women that have been coming out and saying this, this is what true leadership looks like. I mean, yeah, and we'll have we'll have more to talk about this after we bring Lisa on in a few minutes. But Jeff, I wanted to give you a minute to to talk about um, one of the organizations that we really are proud to support, and you have done uh, your part sleeping out in the cold. Talk to me about Covenant House and what they're doing during COVID nineteen. So, so as as people know who watched, listened, watched and listened to our show, um, we have been you and I have both been supporters of the Covenant House of Pennsylvania, which uh, provides assistance and and shelter and and guidance and counselors to uh, young adults um, who who are in a fortunate position for a variety of different reasons that are outside their control of being homeless. Uh, over the past few years, we've had. Uh, people we've we've slept outside with with people like Dan Esposito who played for Washington in the NFL. Uh, this year it was with Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa and a bunch of the Philly staff who was nice enough to do it and did an incredible job raising awareness and raising money. And uh, the Covenant House is currently in a position that it needs continues to need help. And I know that dollars are are hard to stretch with everything that's going on, but. But I'm asking people in any way that you can, um, they are having a virtual sleep out because we all can't get together. But there, there's a virtual sleep out. You can sleep wherever you want. Uh, you can go on our website or you can go to www.covenanthousepa.org. And you can do um, something where you can participate in the sleep out on June 26th, which is next Friday. Uh, and we'll also put up there that we have an Amazon or they have an Amazon wish list. Uh, of things that they need at the Covenant House. But it's been incredible to watch how these professionals have dealt with with this situation in addition to the very difficult uh, and challenging things that they deal with on a daily basis. And they've done it 
with and be in in a way that they've held off the virus. Uh, and and I think that it's an incredible work that they do. And I think that they those are the true heroes. Those those people that are doing that kind of. So are you sleeping out on your deck next Friday? I haven't okay. decided where <laughs> I'm going to sleep. For, I hate sleep. when I take like a serious read and topic and then like yeah. ask a snarky comment afterwards. I feel like that's inappropriate. No, just so, to so do. The, the question is, where do I sleep? Uh, for, for all you, the, I guess this will be a thing. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? It's going to be, where's Jeff? Where is he going to sleep out? And, and by the way, anybody can participate in this and try to raise money for it and just raise awareness for it. And, and just by thinking of these kids, it, is, is a start. Um, so you may see me on my driveway sleeping out. You may see me pictures or it didn't happen. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I'll be outside citizens bank park sleeping, uh, you know, in the, in the parking lot. You, you don't know where you may see me, but, uh, I'll be sleeping out and I'll be working for this organization as long as they'll have me. Yeah. We we've been happy to do a lot with covenant house. Um, the work that they do helping to make sure that, People have a roof over their head. Uh, kids are able to, to try to focus on being kids and, and go through life. And uh, Jeff, I always try and give you a plug and a shout out because um, you've been a driver of this for us staying out there. I still have the picture of when your boots split and you were sleeping out in the carport box in the snow for one night. And that was only a sampling of what some of the people go through. And, it was uh, cold. It was cold. And, wet. So. and it was so, worth every second of it. We'll go from that heartwarming concept of helping people out to this heartwarming concept of bringing on a wonderful uh, E60 co-host for ESPN, NFL, NBA reporter, Lisa Salters. We're thrilled to have you join us on the show today. Thanks so much. How are you doing? Lisa, we'll bring you up in one second. I think we got the audio. We're working on it. Jeff, we'll get Lisa on in one second. Get her out there. Vito Vito will Mm -hmm. fix everything. Um, I am really looking forward to this piece with her uh, when we when we bring her on. I've been. It's funny. I paid attention to Marquise Goodwin as the football player. Yep. But never. Who, who is. by the way, for people that don't know, he is now he's, a Philadelphia Eagle. He's very fast too. Yes. Um, but I I wasn't as familiar with his story, and we're going to get that in this E60 special that Lisa did <clears throat> as we work to put her up. Lisa, you there now? No technical difficulties still, Jeff. We're we're gonna get Vito to fix this behind the behind the glass there. We know he's scrambling even though we can't see him at the moment. See, it's the joys of working. See, we thought the biggest problem we were gonna have on this show was whether or not your the door behind you was gonna open and your kid was gonna come in screaming at you. So instead we have this. So yeah, you didn't you didn't think so the board I get, would be the I, I was hoping that I would finish doing this show with Lisa. Instead I'll just keep doing the show with you for now. So we'll we'll make do. You could do the show by yourself. You'd do just fine with it. Um, Marquise Goodwin's story, though, and we'll talk to Lisa about it in a second, is um, eye-opening and inspiring. And he and his wife are very open about raising awareness. I think I hear the line there. Lisa Salters, are you there with us? I am. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you so much. Technology works. We appreciate Third it. Third time is a charm. Thank you so much. We hope you're doing well. How are you holding up through all of these difficult times first? Uh, hanging in, you know, as well as can be, can be expected. It, it, is, uh, it is difficult times for a lot of people, but as we approach Father's Day this weekend, you've got something special coming for us on E60. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about new Eagle Marquise Goodwin and, and what we'll see at noon on Sunday on ESPN? Sure. Well, I met Marquise, first met Marquise um, six years ago in 2014. He was a rookie with the Bills, um, and uh, he was coming out of uh, out of University of Texas. He was a two-sport star there. He starred with the Longhorns, you know, as a wideout on their football team, and he was uh, a world-class Olympic long jumper. Um, and the hook of our story back then in 2014 was about how he was so driven and motivated uh, because he wanted to be successful in the NFL to help his little sister, Deja, who has cerebral palsy uh, and has never walked. And um, he wanted to be able to build her a home that was wheelchair accessible. And that was his the driving force in his life. So even back then, uh, you you kind of I kind of got a sense of what kind of a guy Marquise Goodwin is. Uh, just a family first, uh, solid individual. Um, that mission was accomplished in 2018. He did, uh, but when he got that big contract with the 49ers, he did uh, end up building uh, or getting um, buying his mom and his sister uh, a wonderful house and surprising them with that. You, you probably saw that on YouTube. Um, but uh, he's. He's also had, he and his wife Morgan have, have endured some, you know, unspeakable tragedy um, in their lives and in their marriage, in their quest to become parents. Um, they, uh, you know, Marquise, more than anything else, you know, wanted to be, wanted to be a father more than he wants, more than he wanted a Super Bowl championship or uh, an Olympic gold medal. He wanted to be a dad. And that kind of stems from the fact that his own father wasn't around. Um, and that has been, you know, in addition to helping his family, helping his little sister, being a dad, uh, has always been important to him. And it's been a struggle, uh, for him. It's something that, you know, some families take for granted, just having children, uh, for the good ones. It's, uh, it's, it's been very difficult. They had a miscarriage in, uh, I'm sorry, not a miscarriage. They had a, a child born, stillborn in 2017. Uh, I think um, you might remember uh, it was a game. They played the New York Giants. Marquis scored uh, a touchdown and then kind of just collapsed in the end zone, just overcome with emotion. And we didn't find out until after the game that his wife had given birth uh, to their stillborn son, Baby Goodwin, uh, earlier that day. And that's where all that emotion was coming from. He played in the game uh, because – Morgan, his wife, told him, go play and play well because it's the only time your son is going to see you play. And uh, and he did that um, knowing that he had just lost a child that morning. He went out that afternoon and played in a game and scored a touchdown. Um, and that, of course, is horrible enough. It, you, you know, many times it, uh, something like that, a loss like that, can break up a couple because it's just so – devastating it's hard to talk about it's overwhelming um, but the good ones were determined to stick together they grew even even closer uh, and they tried again and again uh, they had to suffer the unimaginable they lost uh, twins in 2018 and we we reached out to them to see if they might be willing to just kind of share their story uh, because they're such an uh, an open couple, they have a, a YouTube channel. Uh, they just want to be. They want to put out there what a 
uh, successful, fun-loving, um, healthy African-American family looks like. And so they put everything on YouTube, and they put the good and the bad. Uh, so when you know they when they have had to endure these losses, they've also put that out there on social media, wanting to to show people that you can overcome this, you can persevere. Uh, and we asked them if they might be willing to tell their story with us on E60, and they said yes. So I went out to Dallas. Uh, that's where Marquise is from, outside of Dallas, and um, interviewed the Goodwins uh extensively last july and it was um it was a difficult day of interviews because they were talking about these devastating losses um you know of course i asked the question you know why not adopt you you guys can have children you can have a family another way a surrogate um and uh morgan was determined that she wanted to carry a child to term and they were determined to keep trying they did keep trying and um, I'm happy to say they are now the proud parents of a four-month-old baby, Marae Goodwin, a little girl. Lisa, what's, what, what's it like to do a story like that, to talk to a family about something so near and dear to their hearts? Oh, wow. Um, you know, and it's a difficult piece to watch. It will be a difficult piece for folks to watch on Sunday because, uh, like I said, they're very open and they're very forthcoming. They share some very intimate uh, photos um, of the children who did not make it uh, with us. And um, it, I, I feel like, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years now. And uh, many of the stories that I do are difficult to tell, difficult to hear. Um, it's it's challenging when you're interviewing someone and you're um, you know you're watching them relive and recount some of the darkest times in their lives. Um, but I always try to remember something that Dwayne Wade told me once when uh, I did a story about him and his mom. Um, he told me that I, I, I just, I trusted you with this. I trusted you with our story. Um, and to me, that's the, the greatest compliment. Uh, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to tell people's stories, especially ones that are, are so difficult to tell. And you know that people are going out on a limb, hoping that you treat their lives and their stories with the respect and the dignity and the integrity um, that all the stories deserve, but especially these ones that are so sensitive. You talk about them <clears throat> wanting people to see a healthy uh, black family, uh, their relationship. At the same time, it seems so important to them to raise awareness about the challenges that they went through because there are so many families going through the same thing. Can you talk about that part of the story where not only are they dealing with the tragedy that passed, but they're trying to pay it forward so that as other families go through this process and this grief, they don't feel alone like the Goodwins did. Yeah, that, uh, that was a big part of this, this, uh, this piece as I kept saying to them, you know, why do you want to talk about it? And why are you on social media about it? And like, is it hard to talk about, to keep talking about it? Um, and what they kept saying was that this is, we can't be ashamed and we can't not talk about, uh, the bad, the bad things that happened to us. We are people like everyone else. We are aspiring parents like everyone else. And again, 
you know that, you know, when something like this happens, when a family loses a, a child, it can rip a marriage apart. It can break couples up. And uh, the good ones were determined that they were going to talk to each other. They were going to talk. They were going to console each other through this. And they wanted other families and other couples to, to see and to know that they, too, could persevere despite so much heartache and so much grief. Uh, so that was really important to them. They wanted to, they wanted people to see them grieve and to get through it so that other families could know that they could do the same thing, that they were not alone, uh, that there were other families out there grieving with them, but other families too that are, have come out on the other side and that they too could come out on the other side. This is to me. This story is another example of of athletes using their platform for for good in so many different ways. And and we've seen not only the way that Marquise and his wife have handled this situation, but we've seen over the last few weeks uh, and for so many years, athletes using their platform to advance social causes and, and to help the communities in which they live. Uh, what have you seen? I mean, you yourself were an athlete. For people that don't know, Lisa is is from King of Prussia, so welcome back at least on the air and uh, played at Penn State. What is what is it like for you to see how athletes are using their platform for good? I think it's wonderful, um, and you know, like you said, athletes have been doing it uh, for for years and years, and it's it just amazes me. Uh, I think back to when uh, I, I'm trying to think of who was it who told LeBron to just dribble. I mean, it, it, today in 2020, after everything that's happened, we we think that that like who would ever say that now? But to think that someone had the audacity to say it four years ago is even is even amazing to me. Uh, these are people. These are people who have the same. Uh, dreams and goals and desires and go through the same struggles and challenges that we all do, them and their families. Um, so why, why athletes would not be allowed to use their platform and to use their voices to bring light to whatever cause they find near and dear to them uh, is absurd. And uh, I think it's great to see the athletes um, doing that. But I mean, in Philadelphia has been, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins to me has always just been, you know, even when it wasn't popular to speak out, Malcolm Jenkins was speaking out. Chris Long, you know, even when it wasn't popular to speak out, you know, he was speaking out. And, and, and not just speaking out, those are guys who I admire so much because they were, they were, they were not just talking. They were doing uh, Chris Long and the foundation that he has and all of the, the great things that that foundation has done. Malcolm, the same way, and everything that he was doing uh, in the community with, uh, uh, you know, with community policing and just trying to bridge that, that gap between the community and the police. Um, I mean, those two guys, those are two guys that Philadelphia should be proud of for sure. I hate to even <clears throat> ask about the return of sports because it seems trivial when we're talking about these other topics. But as somebody who has been around these players, has been as close to the action as we can get, what do you think we're going to see as they start to come back in terms of what this looks like? And 
it seems like some of the players aren't totally sold on it or aren't sure how they want to use their platform as they return. So what are you expecting as somebody who's who's pretty close to this all to see? You know, I don't know. Uh, I think everyone is looking forward with great anticipation to the NBA, NBA coming back to see can they do this. I know there's a lot of planning going on right now. And, you know, you're seeing all of the, you know, kind of the, 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 the ads on TV, like the NBA is back. But we're still like, what, four or five weeks away from that? And I think everyone is waiting to see, is it going to come back? Does it really come back? What's it look like when it comes back? Um, and if it does come back, it's going, you know, going to be a huge deal. Um, I know we have golf and NASCAR, but I'm talking about our, our four major sports in, in this country. The NBA coming back is going to be a big deal. Uh, in many ways, it will be a model of maybe what we see uh, if college football or the NFL come back uh, on how to, to do things successfully. But either way, for the players who are concerned about coming back, the NBA players who are concerned about coming back because they don't want to distract distract from the uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I would I think it would be just the opposite because I think once they get back to work and in front of cameras, television cameras, it's not just social media anymore. Now they're in front of cameras and they get to speak and use their platforms and reach even millions uh, of more people. Like I hear what they're saying. But I think that they could have an even greater impact uh, once they get back to, to playing. Well, we can't wait to see you back covering this. And we really appreciate you giving us some time. We encourage everybody to catch After the Storm, the E60 special about Marquise Goodwin airing this Sunday at noon on ESPN. Lisa, thanks so much for the time and for the, uh, the delicate nature with which you seem to handle this, this challenging issue. Thank you very much, and have, happy Father's Day to you guys, and happy Father's Day to my own dad, Glenn Salters, out there in King of Prussia. Thank, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for the time, Lisa. Jeff, uh, first of all, I mean, Lisa's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. she, her work is really good. I tried not to suck up too much, but she's, she's really good at what she does. Yeah. But um, you want to talk about a difficult subject and topic, and um, all I could think about Every time I would watch something about Marquise Goodwin this week is I want to come home, come in and give my three month old a kiss. And and so to see that they have that happy ending at this moment with the four month old that they're raising. And as she said, I, I went and I watched some of their their YouTube channel and they're just real and open and raw. And I, I have a gr- much greater understanding of, of him as a person as opposed to just a player just by watching him. And I'm really interested to see this piece because it seems like he and his wife bear all in terms of their feelings, their emotions, and and the the roller coaster that they've been on for this journey. He's been raising. She meant Lisa mentioned it briefly. He's been raising his sister since he was a teenager uh, oh, with cerebral oh, palsy. Oh, by the way, as she mentioned, she has cerebral palsy, and he, and and it's amazing to see what he's been able to do, what he's been able to accomplish how he's been able to live his life uh, in a positive way. I mean, people don't, unless you've gone through a tragedy like this, you can't imagine what it's like and to bear your soul basically to the world so that they can see your pain. It's not easy. And the only reason you would do something like that is to help other people. So keep that in mind as you're watching a special like this or, or another special is that 
when they're bearing their soul, they have nothing to gain by this except to help other people. And I was actually I that's an admirable quality. When I was watching their channel the other day, if you are interested, apparently they're going to do like a live watch along on their YouTube channel where they because they, they haven't seen the finished product. Apparently they will see it the first time they said when it airs on Sunday and they're going to watch it live and answer people's questions because, again, they, they seem to be about openness and helping people. So, uh, you know, good on Lisa for, you know, E60 is a, a good show that takes on these challenging topics and handles them in a professional way that you really learn something about it. I'm looking forward to see how they handle this one. Yeah, I, I'm so impressed by some of the people that we've had, the reporters that we've had on the show over the last couple of months, especially from ESPN, who have, who've interviewed Roy Halliday's wife, when John Barr, and now Lisa with Marquise Goodwin and others. How difficult a job that is to sit down. I thought that people. was a good question you asked about um, the responsibility she felt telling that story. I thought well, that I was thought really it, I, good. Yeah, well, I thought her, her answer to that and Dwayne Wade's comment about how because that's what you have to do. You have to you have to be compassionate and empathetic enough to have these people who have gone through these tragic situations trust you and just entrust you with everything they have if they're going to tell this story and tell it openly. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching this Sunday. We talked a little bit about the athletes using their platform and her thoughts on them returning in the platform they're going to have. I, I, I wanted to take a little detour with you and go back to, to some of what we've, we've seen going on socially. You've got a lot of different places around the country making a lot of different changes with the arguments going on. I, you got Virginia that's changing their logo. UNLV's changing their mascot. Statues coming down at Texas A&M. The end of a chant at Florida. Um, again, then you look at the SEC said that they would not host any championship event, conference championship events in Mississippi until they changed their flag. Mm -hmm. Today, the NCAA followed that up and said, not only in the SEC, no NCAA championship events will be held there until they make that change. Is this something that is the beginning of something, or do you think this will be the extent <clears throat> of what we see and people say, we took this action, it's done, let's move on? No, I think it's the beginning. I, th I think there's so much more left to do. Uh, that's not even where I thought you were going. Since we talk about the NCAA so much and about how slow they are, because, of course, they didn't do this first. The SEC had to do this first. And as you know, I'm not the biggest champion of the SEC. But you, the SEC no. did, did the right thing here. What I thought you were going to ask me was whether it was it was too little too late, because one of the things that we're hearing with some of these things, even like what Goodell said, is that, is that they're saying that it's too little too late. And I heard somebody, I wish I knew who it was, but they said it's never too late to do the right thing. Exactly. It and, isn't. And, and you can question somebody's motives for doing mm -hmm. it. But when they finally take the action you've been hoping they would, even if you want them to take a larger step than they did, acknowledging that they took a step goes a long way, even if it's not where you want them to be. And we have that sometimes where people will say something or they'll make a statement and we're, we're so skeptical now that it's like, well, why are they doing that? What are they going to get from it? What do they have to gain? As opposed to 
okay, maybe this is the start of changing the conversation. We don't have that conversation. Well, it clearly is. I mean, Lisa made the point that it was only about four years ago, and I think it was, I think it was, was it Ann Coulter or was it? Uh, it, was, it was Ann Coulter. I didn't want to interrupt her. Was said, shut up and dribble. And, and as Lisa pointed out, that was only four years ago. It's not like that was in the 1950s. I mean, it was it was look, so we've recent. Still seen, look at the we've still seen people say, now that people have said their piece, can we get back to the games? And it's like, no, no, we can't get back to the games because the games are played by people who don't feel comfortable driving to the game. That's the whole point. They don't feel comfortable walking out of their house. So, so let no, me you can't you, expect we, them to just play ball and entertain you. Right. So here, so here's something that that I have been thinking about a, a good part of the week because I've had this discomfort with this for a long time, which is is sports logos, uh, in particular the Washington uh, Redskins, which I hate saying, and, and the Cleveland Indians. And for years we've had to listen to Dan Snyder say how he's not changing it because it's tradition. Is this finally the time? That he can't do this anymore. They took a statue down outside the stadium of a former coach today for this, the Washington team. Okay. So I don't really want to hear that it's tradition because they stopped that tradition. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I don't understand why he doesn't do it because it's a branding opportunity. You can have all new logos and sell all new jerseys and all new beer koozies and all that stuff and make some money. What is the point? Oh, and by the way, for any of the Washington football fans who say that they, if they do it, they're not going to watch them anymore, I don't believe it. I don't believe a single one of you will go away. I believe every one of you will buy a $100 jersey. They are going to – that I will walk away from football thing will be mm -hmm. tested this year because you are going to see lots of players taking a knee. And the conversation – the thing that bothers me the most is they don't show the national anthem on TV mm -hmm. if you're watching at home right. unless somebody takes a knee. Mm -hmm. If you're in the stadium and you're at your seat, you stand. If you're going to the bathroom, you're going to the bathroom. If you're in line for food, you're there. They don't stop everything from what they're doing. Maybe you take your house and line it for the food, but you still do what you're doing. People you know don't what? stand up at home for the national anthem. You've been to plenty of sporting events. Have you not noticed that there are some people who clearly get upset by that that are the same people that if they're not in their seats and they're out buying food at the concession, don't stop, don't take off their hat and continue about their day. Somehow that barrier happens only when you're sitting at your seat. So I, I, let's let's stop with with trying to equate what it's always this false equivalence. But I want to get just get back to a minute for a minute to this whole idea of, of sports logos. I saw Virginia change their logo. I still don't understand exactly what it, it was. was. The, was the it swords, a, what they represented or something. But like I thought that. the swords are still in it. I thought that they the, just changed the like the swords, handle. OK, so. The controversy arose because one element of the logo was designed to mimic the design of the serpentine walls found on campus, walls that once were built to hide slaves. Okay. That was the explanation as to why. So that was the change of that logo. Um, hey, Reb, the UNLV mascot, could be mm -hmm. changed as well. Um, it, it, actually, there was a change.org petition that got 4,000 signatures. You can get 4,000 and, and for every for all those people that are offended if we if we change those things, sit back and just stop for a minute and think about the reason that they're changing it. People aren't just asking to change it for no reason. 
They're asking to change it because it, because it's hurtful, because it represents something that none of us, I would hope, want represented. And we still go on. For those that are my age, they remember that St. John's University had a totally different name before Red Storm. And guess what? The university is still a great university. There's, there's but, nothing has changed other than you changed your logo. But that's and, what, and now that's it's what, more inclusive. That's what the, the problem is with trying to change the, the conversation from discomfort, <clears throat> discomfort and concerns about race to disagreement with kneeling. It's not recognizing somebody else's pain to focus on your angst. And that's the whole problem is that until you understand what somebody else is going through, you won't understand why this is important to them. And it's not just going to be minority players taking a knee this year. You're going to see lots of players taking a knee. And so people are going to have to decide, are they for real? By the way, I think my favorite was when somebody said, I don't think J.J. Watt's going to take a knee. And and, and J.J. Watt said, you don't speak for me, and I have a feeling you're going to see J.J. Watt take a knee. And, and that's that what happens because those people that thought that J.J. Watt represented something he didn't now need to sit there and go, maybe I should change my attitude because was, I don't know how other people. It might. was easier for some people to attack Colin Kaepernick than it will be to attack J.J. Watt. OK, it's he's just sad. Let's just it let's is point sad, that out. but it shouldn't but be. It shouldn't be. But that's the reality. Now, the question we have 45 seconds left. Colin Kaepernick end up getting a shot now. I've asked you this before. No, Anthony I, Lynn again, talked about it. I don't know it. the answer to the question because I, I haven't heard Colin Kaepernick say that he wants a shot. Have you? He's on mediums board now. But but <laughs> have you heard Colin Kaepernick say I want to come back? And if well, I thought he did back, last year when he did the fake tryout. No, thing. this year. Since since all of the most recent things happened, have you heard that he wants to come back? And does he want to come back? likely as a backup to start. I don't think he's getting a starting role after four years out of the NFL. I don't know, Jeff. I'm going to let that be the last word. Happy Father's Day to you and all the dads out there. Hope everybody gets a moment to enjoy. Catch that E60 special on Sunday at noon. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.